Hi, this is the PP UK podcast. Uh, my name's Lee. I'm one of the founding members of the Prince PP UK podcast. Uh, we have several people joining us this evening, and we're going to talk about the Sign of the Times uh, reissue. Uh, handing over to Chopin now. Hi, I'm Chopin. I'm one of the London meetup, and obviously, I've been. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about. 13 vinyl discs of fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's just a shame people can't see the actual visual of this video of us doing <laughs> this on Zoom and your eyes lighting up as you say it. <laughs> just the idea of it at the moment. <laughs> I'm sure I can see Gerald as well coming down your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Hi guys, this is Andy. They kind of bust me in when they get going on the 80s stuff because that's my jam. Uh, <laughs> You're um, the break glass for uh, anything 80s. So, <laughs> and then I just come steaming out and just talk a lot really, so apologies in advance. Um, had a lot of fun talking about Love Sexy, but we there's a heck of a lot of music to talk about today, right guys? Yeah. Uh, so we, we have two new people join us. We have uh, Paddy and Leah. Uh, start off with Paddy, introduce yourself. Hey, um, I'm Paddy, um, long, long time Prince fan, uh, musician, uh, I play guitar uh, in a, there I say it, Prince tribute called Endorphin Machine, um, and <laughs> at the moment, the sign of the times reissue is probably the only thing that we've got to look forward to. <laughs> oh man, I want this album so much, for so many reasons and so many bits of it. Yeah, it was like 2020 and then Prince, uh, they announced the uh, side of the Times reissue and the Prince fans were like, yeah, what a great year. <laughs> oh man, it's, uh, for me personally, this is a serious bright light in September that I can focus on. So I am Seconded so right. pumped for this. And Leah, welcome to PPUK Podcast. Hi, yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Leah. I'm a lifelong Prince fan. Um, I'm definitely, I think, one of the younger fans, um, but I'm definitely not a 21st-er. I saw him for the first time when I was 10. Um, so super excited about the Sign of the Times release. Um, I think I've maybe been roped in to give the, um, the millennials a voice. <laughs> Yeah, so I think like everybody here, it was just when they, after 1999 Deluxe uh, um, reissue, we were all just going, oh, what's going to be next? And me personally, I thought they were going to do Parade. I was I was really convinced they were going to do Parade. It would tie, you know, it was going to tie in with uh, Dwayne Tadol's book is going to be next year as well. So I was, wasn't expecting anything this year. I thought we might get like another originals part two or something like that to tide us over and then something come like next year. But when they announced like Sign of the Times Deluxe and it will be a 13 LP box set, eight CDs. I mean, I just about forgave 2020 for the covid <laughs> we, sent, we sent each other suggestively melting emojis at that point chopin uh, yeah i, I think i remember some <laughs> some uh, yeah, excited emojis let's say yeah i think we were post-verbal at that point we were just like we had to get quite a few emojis out of our system before we could actually say the words I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> you could just hear Prince fans falling off their chairs. It was, yeah, you could hear it. Like for so many reasons, because I think, like everybody here, I, when you imagine Sign of the Times uh, deluxe version, there is so much. I mean, 
even with those 13 discs, there's still stuff that I think that could have gone on there. I mean, that's the the problem with Prince and the beauty of Prince, I guess, is that... Why not, like, why not all four versions of Witness, right? But I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, like, we're lucky today. The I Can Never Take Your Place of Your Man 1979 demo came out, and which... I'm seeing some excited faces, some smiles about. And the disco Tom Roll intro. <laughs> that was, uh, for those few seconds, it thought, hang on, is this going where I... Oh, yes, it is. It's, it is Anakin. It's there, yeah. <laughs> it's surprisingly like the 87 version. Every, the feel of it is really there. Like, um, I was saying to you earlier, Chopin, I felt like, I, I was surprised that it was such a sophisticated production. I thought we were going to get pretty much Prince and an acoustic guitar. And I'm really glad that this, you know, this kind of weird time traveling artifact exists from 79. Cause it's, it really does sound like, well, well, what you said, it sounds like a mashup of sign of the times and dirty mind or something. Yeah, I was kind of, I don't know about everybody else, but I was expecting like, you know, the I feel you, feel yeah. for you acoustic. Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting, I was expecting something, like, I was expecting like something like that, you know, like how Jimi Hendrix's estate has been kind of releasing just kind of jams that he did on, t you know, on his home recorder. And I was kind of expecting that, but when I, when I heard a fully produced track, I was like, Okay, this like, is... It, it seems amazingly sophisticated to me, even for Prince at that time. I think as well, it's really interesting when you listen to that track in comparison to the released album version, you actually see the progression. And I think it's really interesting as well how we all know that every album kind of has a concept and a sound. But I heard that and I didn't actually... I got so excited to press play. I didn't even see that it was the 79 version. I just pressed play. And I heard and I was like, oh my God, this sounds like 79. And then I looked and I was like, oh wait, it is. And it's amazing. It, I think it's a really great way to demonstrate how Prince can take any song and make it fit into the category that he's doing at that time. Because the version we know so perfectly fits on Sign of the Times. Mm. It's so perfectly that period of time. And yet you listen to this new version and it could so easily fit onto the album in 79. It, it's exactly the same fit. Exactly, and, it, and and you and you see just how good the songwriting is. That apart from like, he's famous for his production. He's famous for you know introducing Lindrum, Minneapolis sound. But you strip all of that away, and you've just got a good songwriter. Yeah. At, at the I, end of the day, I, I could, Great God, I, hook, beautiful. Yeah. Mm. I could, I can't believe how fully formed though all of the backing vocals are on there. That that it almost sounds like he jumped eight years ahead. Just said, let me learn that came back to 79 and just put it down. It's like, he, it, it doesn't sound quite like anything else he, I've heard from that era. Prince it, is it, a time traveler, it's official. <laughs> yeah, right, he was a lot of things. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing to have. It's, it just blows me away that he knew that didn't fit into what he was doing at the time, presumably. And he just thought, oh, I'll just put that on the shelf for eight years and then I'll take it out and uh, polish it up to be one of my best ever productions. <laughs> Also, you can hear how much he's absorbed from, say, like Wendy and Lisa and Claire Fisher Productions, like in, ter in terms of kind of tonal additions to the later version that, you know, he was always there with good, solid, melodic ideas. But like you say, Leah, the, the development, you can hear 
he's been he you can hear he's a thousand gigs later you can hear he's a thousand hours worth of rehearsals later and you can hear he's learned a lot from people like wendy and lisa eric leeds and claire fisher in terms of just nuances to the same melody and the same groove it's really fascinating I think as Prince fans as well, it's kind of amazing to actually notice that because you listen to the earlier albums and you're like, yeah, this is amazing. Like, this is great. And you don't notice that progression at all. But when you have those two to compare, it's nice as fans to sit back and go, actually, he did really develop as a musician. He didn't just pop out and had all this. It grew over the time and you learned a lot. That's one track out of six million then. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be here all night. We really are going to be here all night. On the same song. (laughs) <laughs> on the same song yeah exactly and and also you got the live version of this song that's going to be on the video and that's going to be on the record uh from the live version from all checked and the sun time store and it's interesting like in the movie how the tour version develops even more still you know bringing in the subtleties of Sheila's playing and it's it's yeah, and we could we could judge this whole box set on one song. That 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 is one of the most killer songs live as well. Absolute killer song um, for us. It's been part of the sort of spine of sets that we've put together. And um, from the beginning, I was very very keen on arrangements from uh, Purple Rain tour through to and including sort of Love Sexy tour stuff. Um, it, 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 that that song, that album, the way that it translated to live was just brutally good, brutally good. Um, thematically, the power of it. Um, it. Again, I'm probably flying off in too many different directions now. But the 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 sort of mix of the album as a whole at times can be a, a tad tepid uh, in comparison to some of the other stuff. So um, when I heard that particular album live, probably more on bootlegs than on the sign of times video necessarily but it, oh, it's just stunning it's stunning the power that's, is stunning. that's what we're gonna get a solution to now right we're gonna get a really remastered yeah. sign of the time so even your little quibbles there paddy are hey. gonna go down the drain because this is the big one it's it's amazing i mean again holistically yeah a remaster with a little bit more oomph for the album itself a lot of people have sort of looked at me and gone are you sure? Because I say, to be honest, the bit I'm most excited about is that Utrecht gig, because that is a proper document of what that tour sounded like. Um, again, we've we've all heard stuff, but this is actually a little bit of a uh, little bit of Pro Tools, a little bit of remastering here and there, blah blah blah. Cannot absolutely cannot wait to have to be sort of uh, walking at a good pace with that on some expensive headphones banging away in my head. Um, the stuff that's on the DVD, some of which we haven't heard before, well, I'm assuming, I don't know, half of which I don't think most of us have heard before, is actually including like uh, arrangements from the tour rehearsals. So you've got like, um, is it da, 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 Slow Love Do Me Baby Adore? And all those can be found in the tour rehearsal stuff. So like, right at the end where he does the New Year's Eve stuff, he actually goes all the way back to pre-starting the tour and takes some of the arrangements from the tour rehearsals that he did. I think the Birmingham ones had this stuff on. And I'm just like, oh my God, like listening to uh, Housequake morph into Erotic City or the other way around. can't remember specific, but it's just like, oh God, I so want to that cleaned up and see it in this, in this context. It's just, 
excitement over spills, really. I swear to God, your eyes are getting bigger than Chopin's. I know. I, <laughs> and, and like Chopin, I was kind of... The, the, the word on the street for the, for the reasons that Chopin outlined was that Parade was coming, which would have been brilliant anyway. And it's still to come. But I mean, yeah. Sign of the Times as one big release is just a cornucopia of absolute brilliance. So you're, Sorry, you're, I'll shut up now. You're looking forward to the live stuff, Paddy. I'm mostly always looking forward to the unreleased stuff and Chopin is the only person on the planet who's ever so excited about the seven inch edits <laughs> which is sold out isn't it they're sold out oh no, no I, don't, I don't mean the box I mean the edits that are going to be oh on right the edits Chopin's always like well I've got to have everything to be complete and I respect that Chopin so I do I also think it shows I also think from my personal thing that if they put in all the seven inch edits and I know a lot of people think it's like a waste of space on the big box set I like with the 1999 deluxe one. I think the fact that they they went as far as having a UK B side edit and an uh, Australian A side edit shows the kind of research that they're doing. That they're not just looking at random tapes in the uh, that are actually in the vault because possibly those were made actually in the UK or in Australia by the record companies there. The fact that the matter is they're doing their research to show what was actually released to create a full you know, rounded package. And for me, I absolutely appreciate that. That's part of a that's part of it all, of documenting the, archival, the archival side of it. I totally get it, Shipes. I'm yeah. like, I mean, and I know it's not like anything new in terms of much, although Housequake has an interesting edit. The house, uh, Housequake edit has a little interesting edit to it. So you've always got that, but for me, the seven-inch edits, they'll never get any love in the wider thing because it's not anything that anybody's really excited about. And it's not something that I'm particularly, like, heavily excited by, but it's it's just, like, to me, it's a sign of, yeah, they've done the research, so you know what, you know, they're completing the circle. There's nothing kind of left waiting for completists, so that's I, I, good for me. I, can, I feel that, like, when you get these, you go, ah, I can sleep easier now. It's complete. <laughs> The itch in my brain has stopped. <laughs> it will never stop. We know that. I'm so going to Photoshop that now. Chopin just sleeping with the deluxe. <laughs> happiness is. Yeah. yeah, happiness is. Yeah. Happiness is this boxer. I'm... Uh, can, can we can we talk? Can we again go all over the place? I guess. Can we talk about the cover a little bit? Yeah, that's where yeah. I get excited. <laughs> Give it to Leah. Let's have some some cover love. Yeah. So um, everyone's kind of mentioned their their little excited bits. I am a sucker for packaging. So if I get a good box, if I get a booklet, if I get a really good cover, cover, that's when I get really excited. And that's why I kind of like. I'm kind of half and half. I'm sure this is going to come up with the price subject matter as well because there are so many releases and so many options for this release. Um, and as someone that's a real tactile collector, I, I love, obviously, I buy it for the content. Um, I'm happy to listen on Spotify, but I want to be able to hold the music that I buy, definitely. Um, and all the images I've seen of this look fantastic. I'm obsessed with the fact that they've kind of gone for the same folder that we got with the 1999 release, the same, yeah. although it's going to be larger. Um, <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. Um, and you were mentioning the cover as well. I love that they've gone for an image which is Sign of the Times, but is, is right. slightly different to what we've got. 
it was an alternate album cover at the time, right? Which I had. Yeah, Jeff Katz. Oh, sorry, Lee. Jeff Katz. Jeff Katz, right. I'm sure we've all seen that photo before. I, it's an interesting photo for me because like, it puts Prince right at the heart of that. It, it, it's like the music is radiating out, radiating out from this sort of spectral kind of power, which is an excellent image. But I all, um, I'm really glad we get it on the front of the box set, but I still think that the actual cover of the original album is superior in that it was just, it's so, it's so casually brilliant. It's just like, yeah, I've just made this and I can't even be bothered to stay in frame for the shot. I've just made Sign of the Times. Go listen to it. I'm picking up. I'm going to go play basketball. It's you so casual. <laughs> He's off recording Love Sexy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like literally this... Sorry, Chopin. No, just, sorry. Uh, does anyone know like the story behind that shoot that it was like a last minute thrown together thing? Um, I was following, I can't think of her name, but it was Prince's makeup artist at the time. She's posted on Instagram uh, a few stories and that shoot was one of them. It was one of those three o'clock in the morning, Prince is shooting, quick, get over here kind of thing. Um, and it was literally the local theatre. And in this story, she goes on to, uh, she contacts someone, her friend at a theatre or something and says, Prince wants to shoot. Um, do you have just any random backdrops we could use? Like we've got loads of props and stuff, but as a theatre, do you have any like backdrops we can use? And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. Three o'clock in the morning uh, and got that just across to them just to shoot with. It wasn't planned as a cover. It was just oh, here's a backdrop and put your props in front of it and off you go. Wasn't it from the production of Guys and Dolls or something? Yeah, something really random like that, but it was just yeah. literally three o'clock in the morning, what have you got? <laughs> it, is, it is my favourite Prince album cover. Oh, wow, really? Wow. Absolutely. I, absolutely. I, it, it's that half on, half off. It's, it's so Prince. It's so casually excellent. And I, and I think it's the most, uh, you know, I use all, it's the most artistic uh, okay, parade is a close second, but uh, I, I, I think I yeah. agree with you, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I I was just kind of glad they broke away from the sort of silver motif that they had on Purple Rain in 1999. I oh. thought because I found myself thinking, what? Oh God, that album cover is so good. I hope they don't mess it up by doing something really bleak with sort of just. Oh well, we'll forget the album. We'll just put a silver background and then the oh. sign of the times logo and typeface or something yeah that's what i thought they were going to do i was massively massively pleasantly surprised with what they came up with um i mean again the the, for me with him sort of coming through being centered on it as opposed to off to the side slightly out of focus type thing it's it almost to me feels a bit over romanticized i know it's kind of like his ghost coming back from the recording kind of merged and translucent i think a little bit translucent so fantastic cover fantastic cover as well Sorry. The only thing I was relieved that they didn't, I, I agree with the silver thing 100%, but I was so happy they didn't do it on purple, the purple LPs. I When they brought out, what was it? It was Rave. When they brought out Rave and it was on purple, I wanted to scream. I'm like, blue. It was screaming for blue. Why blue, is this yeah. purple? <laughs> well, I mean, that's going to that's gonna bring us onto the peach vinyl, which is cor- completely correct, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think that's going to look beautiful on peach vinyl. I mean, they could have done like one peach, one black, or a marbled peach and black, but I actually like the just plain peach. Uh, to be fair, if they'd done a peach and black, the black vinyl wouldn't have really stood out as a special deal. <laughs> special edition black <laughs> vinyl. 
Brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah. you, can, you can buy both and mix them up, show. So you've got. It's yeah. a way of branding. You buy standard vinyl, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could oh, like like never be that cynical, surely. Okay. <laughs> oh no. I do think they're listening to the fans. I know me and Chopin have spoken to it, uh, spoken about it before. That they do listen to. I think they do listen to the fan podcasts and other people in the community. And I, th- you know, I think a lot of people are happy with the packaging for this. And I, I think it looks amazing. And I mean, not just the front cover and the box, but uh, the book we're getting, and also yeah. the actual, the actual individual sleeves for each each disc. Layer. They look stunning. They look absolutely amazing. I like the fact as well. It's it's always hard to tell because we've only got like the like Amazon images and the official release images. I'm looking forward to seeing an actual copy. But as far as I know, the CD release for the full collection, the book is the same size as the LP. Am I right? I believe so. Like yeah. it's a twelve inch. Yeah, book. twelve inch, the same size. Oh, wow. As far as I'm aware. Don't take me as gospel. As far as I'm aware, it is still the same size as you would get in the LP. It's like the same book. All right. So if you've got the CD version, like if you've got the vinyl box set of 1999, the vinyls sign of times, they'll fit together nicely. But if you've got the CD version of Deluxe and the, the CD yeah. version of Sign of the Times, sure they won't stack on the same shelf. It's a nightmare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, Someone's OCD is going to go on that one. I can feel it. <laughs> as far as the overall look is, though, I mean, um, the images are just, they look so crisp and all the colours of that tour and of that era, you have the peak and you have, his, you have his sort of bright blue in one of them. And, uh, but all of the, you know, Sign of the Times for me is his richest, most immersive album. It's his, I always, I always think like it's such a golden sounding record, even with the lackluster mixes we've had up till now. It's a golden record, and like everything about it—the iconography, the uh, the colouring of, of the images, the sort of things he was wearing back then—are just everything's so rich and classy. It, it just really it draws you in. Really, it's a warm, it's a warm look that era. I like what they've done tying into the other marketing stuff they've done for the t-shirts, they've done the mugs, they've done badges as well, I think. Yeah, I love those releases. I think they've really hit the nail on the head in regards to other stuff they've done. The mug in particular, the fact they've done it matte, it looks like it's matte to me with the peach and black. I have not gone into the mug aspect of this. (laughs) The mug is impressive. We're going to have a dead... We're going to have a dedicated podcast on Prince mugs, I'm sure. <laughs> but the graphics on this period are amazing anyway. What, the, the typography, the font and everything. Yeah. I, mean, I wonder if they're going to, uh, that, uh, the cover, I wonder if they're going to print it on foil, though, even though it's not the kind of silver background. I wonder if they're still going to print it on foil and keep that visual aspect of it. It looks like... I actually noticed today, it looks like to me on one of the shots I've seen, like they've got it um, on a matte background with gloss for the actual words. Okay. So that's what it looks okay. like to me, that All you've right. got development rather than foil. That would be beautiful. No need for panic. I think no foil has been observed thus far. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have to wait for the unboxing videos by Chopin and Leah. They're going to come, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, no knife show sh- sh- <laughs> yeah <laughs> no knife no, my trusty knife I know how to wield that thing she posts up the video and everyone's like don't use the knife 
you're more organized than me when i get like a new release i just pick up the like closest sharpish object and just hack at it until i'm in <laughs> at least hey, don't do that <laughs> people are having a sort of slightly fainting as they listen to this leo sorry i can't wait for this box set i just the the fact that it's a hardback book as well i'm loving because as lovely as the night the 1999 one was you know you kind of worry as you take it out because there's so many, so many kind of processes to kind of take the box out, take that out, take the slip out. Um, you worried about bending the book, but with this, with a hardback book and these kind of vinyls slipping in, I think it looks like a really, like they're up in their game every time. So I'm really excited about this. This is a solid it's, mother. Yeah. Uh, as, as much, um, a bit of, um, critique I have about the estate for a variety of reasons I have to say in terms of um, their re-releases how they box what they box how they theme it and what they're giving this one's possibly a little bit overpriced if I'm honest but um, they're hitting the nail on the head they've got take me now take my money up there uh, and as one of you has mentioned before there's there's like good alternative packages as well depending what people want obviously there's always the opportunity to listen to everything that's non-visual on spotify as well I think um, but i think they're doing a good job i think if you get it on vinyl that price difference isn't quite as apparent but the cds are really mm. overpriced at the moment yeah 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 i was a bit disappointed with that i felt that 1999, which was a f awesome release, was fairly fair price. I think it was about 64 quid for the Super Deluxe. Yeah, um, it was a good price point. But coming in at 140, even though it's a bit bit bigger, I think it's disproportionate. Um, well, but, Amazon really upped the price, didn't they? It came in at 150, and then didn't they the for the CD set, and then it went up to 200. Was it them? Um, that, was it them that did that though, or were there people who came through Amazon as sellers who got more stock, ramped it up? I'm not sure. It's Amazon. Amazon. All right. Okay. Fair dues. I um. Well, I, fortunately, mine's not reserved at that price. <laughs> Thank God. The vinyl went up to three, uh, like almost three hundred at one point, mm. and then came back down. I think it's like it's it's roughly. I mean, I uh, reserved it at like two eighty. And I, I saw it go up and I saw it come down a bit, but it's not gone below. But because I reserved it at that price, I can, you know, it's it made drops. For, so. for the seed, because I don't, I don't do vinyl simply because it, I know what the fiscal implications of, of going down that route after all these years again are. <laughs> and I, I just can't face it. But, I, have, um, I have, have to do vinyl on these guys, on these big guys, 1999 sign. It just has to be. It's too well, beautiful. Uh, dude, I can completely appreciate it. And there is a, there is a feel and a tonality and a a, a, a beautiful, gentle, warm crackle. I get it. Absolutely mm. get it. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, for the, C, for the CD, the big set, for me, 100 quid would have been a decent price point, I think. But yeah, it, it, has, it has skyrocketed. And I think that is a little bit much. You know, I mean, it I is mean, kind of annoying that, that you know, uh, we would obviously buy everything for the content right and that's where we're at yeah it is, it is frustrating there's no easy way you can't you can't sort of say well let's just release the album and then just let's release the the vault albums on their own as well i know that doesn't make sense to the company but it, it's it's hard when you know they, they i still think they should still kind of release something for the casual fan who wants to get a bit deeper 
So like if there was a four LP set that was the album and the outtakes maybe, I, or some of the, I don't know. I, I yeah. guess they're thinking yeah. that those people can stream those, yeah. you can stream those tracks. It's, just, it's an impossible situation. They, they want to fleece us and still keep us on side. We kind of want to be fleeced. <laughs> we'll, we'll buy the stuff. Damn it. Yeah, think, that's I, true. I think the five of us are very much at the sharp end of the fleecing. We, oh. <laughs> There's a lot more like us out there, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally buying the Vaseline for the gold experience reissues. Do you know? <laughs> like, um, I hear you. <laughs> for, my, for my bank balance. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, well, you saw the meme that we created of uh, two people going into the bank and it's like, you're saying this application for a loan is for a Prince album in September. And it's like, yeah, it is. But th- think about what you get. I mean, I'm kind of happy in the sense that I know, like, I know I'm being fleeced. I know what I'm getting in for. I know that I'm part of a niche thing. But part of that money goes towards keeping those tapes in good place. Keeping I, the estate alive, keeping basic used to work- running. Exactly. I used to work in an archive. They're probably not getting so much money. Like Paisley Park is probably hurting in terms of money keeping that place open. Uh, I'm having celebration this year. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of a willing participant Uh, in in this kind of price hiking because as far as I'm concerned, I know how, I know it's expensive to keep an archive in like a place like Iron Mountain. You know, it's a monthly, you know, it's a monthly bill. I hope that's, that, that, I mean, is the money going there? I don't know much about this stuff, so I'll take your word, I hope. Well, I mean, there'd be profit, obviously, keeping lots of other things going, but the the money would be keeping those vault tape. The money goes back, you know, some of the money goes back into keeping that vault open. Well, yeah, if, only, if only for proving that it's commercially viable. Fact of the matter is, if they don't sell many, we're not going to get any more. Um, and in the end... You know, I, I I know the amount of pleasure I will derive from receiving a box set, which, to be honest, I won't even play the discs. I'll read the booklet. I'll put it on the shelf next to 1999. Uh, as Leah says, I love that. I, I like to own no other art. I mean, I, I'm into lots of other artists. There's no other artist I'd even vaguely bother with stuff like this. But I want to own it. It's tactile. Uh, but the amount of pleasure... There is definitely 140 quid's worth of pleasure there and some. So... Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I just think it was interesting because compared to the 1999 uh, deluxe box set price point, I think they were definitely feeling out the market at that point. Yeah. Uh, they thought, oh, we can afford to put it at this price and we know like, it'll sell. They're, they're really good at this kind of like, it's going to be the only pressing, guys. That's what they've really got. <laughs> I, I, I limited edition, a, limited time period. Buy now. I am happy to be a sucker, but I know I'm a sucker, okay? That yeah. I think I'm kind of in the middle of where everyone is. I think um, I haven't ordered. I haven't pre-ordered mine yet at all. Um, I haven't been in a position to at the moment, but I'll, when I do, it will just be the deluxe CD set that I'm getting. I would love to own the LP, would absolutely love to, but I've kind of got to a point now, I think ever since he passed, I got to a point where I was like, okay, it's going to get real crazy now. (laughs) Everything's going to be coming from everywhere. And I kind of made a conscious decision of, I want to own all the content that comes out. You know, I want to have a copy of everything. But at this point now, it's become a little less important to have every version of every single thing. Mm. Uh, When he was alive, I wanted every single release, everything, because it was official. It had come from him. 
and I desperately wanted it. Whereas now I've kind of come to the conclusion that we're getting so many different releases. Um, right. So books, there's everything, and it's becoming so and so much more expensive. Could you believe um, that I've kind of had to just sit back and go, okay, as long as I have the content and I get, I'll always go for the best, more affordable option that I, I find to be a little bit more reasonable. Are you going to get the consumer advice? I love it. Are you going to get the peach final as well? I wanted to, but didn't it sell out like immediately? Hasn't it already gone? No, that's just the seven inches with the the, the peach final. They've got the album that's the peach final that hasn't sold out. That's kind of like, as far as I know, because that's like the nineteen ninety nine deluxe. They had the two disc purple one, and then they had the four disc one, which I, I don't know many people that actually have those four disc ones, which is the album plus the remixes and edits. The the nineteen ninety nine one you mentioned there, Chopin. I think that one goes for quite a lot now. I think even as much as the full deluxe LP set. Oh, okay. Oh, now we're getting into investment. <laughs> well, <laughs> that well that's a thing as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you and yours, but it's spelt like with just the U. This is print stuff. But um, I th- I think like I did I didn't I I couldn't justify to myself going to trying to get that singles box. It's a beautiful box. It's absolutely beautiful. I own all of the original singles from that time. I really wanted it, but it's like, it's going to be 200 bucks with tax and shipping from America. And like, the thing is, there is a cutoff point to me. And, and, and I also, I, I also thought, well, shall I get the peach vine? I don't, I don't collect everything. I just don't. But the, you know, if if they make something, you don't have to get it, guys, do you? But no. But we've all got our different lines. I cast no shade on anyone who wants to and can afford to do all of that. But I, I mean, I, did anyone here go for the singles box? Because I'm very jealous if you did. I missed out because, like, I. I was on early shifts and somebody messaged me and said they've still got some and I kind of like was like, oh, they've still got some, fell asleep and, you know, I had to get up at five minutes. And by the 5 a.m. it was gone. Oh, but man, you're slipping, man, you're slipping. I know, I thought you got them. I thought no, you no, no, no. My heart didn't sink, though. No. You know, do you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, if, if, I, if you know, like the, the vinyl 10 box vinyl 1999, like, I almost didn't get that. I was, like, the last copy in the shop. Almost didn't get that. My heart would have sunk then. If I didn't get a copy, if I don't get a copy of the 13-disc vinyl, my heart will sink. The single box set, it didn't... I, I loved I, it. But, I, but it's just going to sit on my shelf. It's just a nice box. Someone's made a nice box, and it's going to cost me 200 bucks, and there's a line Yeah. There. <laughs> there's a line I think that I like that I feel for you one the nothing compares to you one I really like I had to have those the uh, the uh, rock and roll is alive one that they gave out that one I had to get like I got on the eBay maybe I'll get it in a year's time the box you know maybe when it's more ex- I know it'd be more expensive but who knows um but it's not one where my heart sinks. The box, the main box sets with everything in with, I mean, come on, Dorothy Parker with horn section. I just oh. really want to know what that horn section is. Uh, is it like basically the one with the live version with like Madhouse 4? Is, the, is it hey. that version? 
I've, I've got a horn section, so I really want to know what the horn is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, did he start, uh, when did he start putting horns on, on like TV appearances of Dorothy Parker? It was like in the 2000s, in the noughties, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I hate that horn arrangement. I, I really hope it's not that horn line. I just... Well, just, it just yeah, at the end of each line, or at the end of each little uh, section, it just ties, ties up the song, which really just like, seems too neat and tidy to me when the original song is so free and jazzy without those horns. So, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's like, but I, I, my heart will sink a little if it's, if it's that same arrangement, although I'll probably still find it within myself to go, yeah, but it sounds different when Eric's playing. No, it's better. But, you know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, Eric Lee was my favourite. Eric and Atlanta are my favourite horn section here. Oh, man. From, from somebody who... From somebody who orchestrates and messes with the arrangements, um, Eric Lee's and Atlanta Bliss are the shit. Cold, sharp, on point. The players won. Fantastic. fantastic. Eric always added this absolute weight to Prince at that point. In particular, Eric just, he adds this kind of authority to everything Prince does around that time, which just, I get goosebumps thinking about how good Eric Lee's was. I mean, we talk uh, well for me like the, the the biggest ever influence on prince for me of the people he's worked with was wendy and lisa and i think that was the most positive one i think that laid the ground for other people who influenced him uh, how we took and used that influence but eric leeds huge and claire fisher obviously but eric leeds for me is 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 one of the big 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 ones um what and live, that? I remember like watching some of the One Night Alone stuff. So you might have Candy Dulfer there, you might have um, Maceo there. But the only, I mean, with no disrespect to them, obviously, and they sound like themselves in their own respect. But it, I only ever wanted to hear Leeds play. I <laughs> agree. He, he, he added something weirdly sort of uh, intellectual and thoughtful to Prince at that time, and uh, he he just added, he he really just understood what Prince needed then and 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 just gave it like yeah we, we you just need a little bit of civil uh, of civility here it, there's something is uh, impeccable taste i think yeah i, 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 I hear you so much yeah even like even as a, you know like even as an like npg fan or whatever i think the horn sections are they're the most interesting uh, you know like it loves for me you know Parade tour, parade tour through the Love Sexy tour are the most interesting. I, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the horn heads. I love the, the kind of powerhouse jabs that they give. But the 80s tours were the shit. They were the shit. And for the, a lot for of the it horn section, the yeah. Brass. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it was to do with the brass. Um, I, I, I preferred I prefer this band. Like, I prefer like, the kind of Sign of the Times band to the Revolution. Personally, I, I mean, I, I love the revolution, but like the Sign of the Times tour band for me is like, I, yeah. I just. It's very difficult. Very, very difficult for me. That. I, I'm not. I think it, close second. I mean, <laughs> I mean, imagine, you know, you build your sound on Bobby Z, which is, uh, Bobby Z is like Ringo. He's, again, that, that question of taste. He Underrated. Knows Underrated. I know he. Underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the pocket for Prince. Prince rated Bobby enough to build his entire sound on Bobby for the first five or six years. You know. Yeah. And and I, the Revolution are a special special kitchen. 
Oh, oh. And, and then, then he goes, well, I can also do this kind of um, more nimble thing, yeah. which is sophisticated in a different way. But, but both, both parts of those equations are like two, Prince's two greatest bands for me. Well, I, yeah. I think, I think there's, there's, when we're talking like favourites and stuff, uh, like with Prince bands, like you have personal favourites. But, I mean, he didn't play with bad musicians. I mean, like we're talking about favourites. That there's usually a time you got into it thing that that influences your love of you know somebody who's getting in getting into it around controversy is kind of gonna love the whole revolution thing. Somebody who's getting in around parade is gonna end up loving the sign of the times stuff because it's their leap forward and like myself and Lee NPG. Stuff. I, th- I think we're slowly turning, Lee. I, we think we're bringing him over to the 80s side. That's- <laughs> Come on, Lee, the water's fine. The 80s is the place to be. <laughs> Lee is saying nothing, and his avatar is just... <laughs> he's, he's I'm here, now. I'm here. I'm being converted. I'm listening to the, the, the talking. I'm being converted. <laughs> I think one of the ways... Come to the 80s side. Yeah. One of the ways of putting it about until he listens to diamonds and pearls, <laughs> and then he's way back on the nineties. <laughs> you know that's going to be the reissue that I'll be like, yeah. Oh God! Some of the parts of the revolution was its strength. Individually, perhaps less so in terms of depth and breadth of musicianship, stylistics, and eclecticism. Eclecticism, eclecticism, but the sum of the parts. And the way that they had been rehearsed, the sharpness, the oneness, the uh, militaristic aspect—they were, they were right. amazing. They could uh, run a groove. They could run a groove like yeah, a machine yeah. for hours. When he, they, when he went to the Love Betsy band, you had more seasoned players there and more uh, background and power. Which uh, is perfect because he's starting to touch on that yeah. like, massive yeah. scheme of soul and R and B and jazz. Yeah, and yeah. so those players really suit where he's going there. But uh, <clears throat> again, it's Prince, so nothing's going to be straightforward. Everything's an abstracted version of jazz. Everything's an abstracted version of R&B. For instance, let me, uh, like Housequake to me is just like, it's a cartoon. It's, it's, um, it's James Brown on diet pills. It's an, mm. like, Housequake. I like that, is, James Brown on diet pills. Right, it, it, it's like, um, it's, it's such a sort of brilliant sort of, shimmery burlesque cartoon of what James Brown was, what, you know, what black R&B was. And it's something entirely new. It, like Housequake is not quite rap. It's, it, 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 Housequake is a very rare beast indeed, I think, in his canon. And it's interesting because I feel, I, I find it like a Funkadelic doing James Brown. Uh-huh. Like, you know, the cartoonness of Funkadelic with the structural kind of groove uh-huh. of James Brown. That's how I think of Housequake. See, I always think, but but when Funkadelic did cartoon, I mean, that's kind of what they did. It was all very, it was it was kind of tight, but it was all very kind of um, larger than life, big kind of. Blah, blah, blah. And when yeah. Prince does it, he does it in this kind of clipped way. He does it in this kind of like, I am just going to, I'm going to get on the mic, I'm going to murder you, then I'm going to shut up, then I'm going to come out and just jab you again. It's it's a much it's a much sort of. Um, it's a much quieter sort of attack than Parliament. 
it's like it's, it's like a studious kind of i don't know it, it, i keep coming to like intellectual and studious but like i keep thinking of the photos of prince on the inner sleeves of sign of the times yeah. well, where he's wearing those glasses and he just looks perfectly calm yeah and he's sort of sitting there like a buddhist monk but then but then you turn the record on and it's this explosion of perfect it's perfectly you know what it is chopin it's control that he has at this time of mm. It, it, it's a perfectly controlled attack. That's actually one of the points that I was thinking about earlier when you were discussing your favourite bands. Um, and I was thinking how, because I thought to myself how different to me the two bands are, The Revolution and sort of the Love, Sex, Design of the Time lineup. And I was trying to differentiate what that difference was for me. And it kind of clicked in my head that for me, The Revolution really felt like a family. It felt very friendly and almost loving and really close. And when we move onto the next band to me it felt like his position in the band changed and it felt for me he was much more of a band leader he was the boss in this situation um and that was the difference for me so you, you're talking about it being more controlled and i think that's kind of all linking I think you're right i think you're yeah. right i think i think that derives from the fact that the revolution were the band that made it the next band was the band that were there but they were all big, they were all big personalities and players that could take that as well and they could they you know they they weren't dominated by that control like like when you watch the sign of the times live video when uh one of my favorite bits is when basically he gives the band a day off and he says right we're going to do forever in my life now start up the drum machine you can all just come and dance while i do everything else and what i love about it is that at one moment the band can be this battleship of different uh different effects and uh d different techniques going on and then the set and then the, the next second he just says Turn up, press play on a machine, and I will do everything. You have a dance, so he can yeah. go from tiny to expansive. And the band at that point, they look like they're having the time of their lives. It really feels like a family there. And you've got, you've just got, you know what he put into it at this point? It was, it was the, it was that whole gospel churchy thing that Miles Davis talked about. Yeah. It's got that flickery stuff. It's it's interesting because I think that's why I like this band more than the Revolution is because I like band leader prince rather oh. than family prince <laughs> was prince I've, ever family prince <laughs> well you know it's true and i think <laughs> and i think also my take on housequake might stem from the fact that i heard i listened to sign of the times the movie before i heard the album so to me like kind of my ear kind of apart from say something like sign of the times or you got the log look where i heard it on radio first oh. The, the album tracks, the, um, you know, if I was your girlfriend, I could never take the place of your man. To me, and playing the sunshine, to me, the, the, my go-to version is the, is the movie version rather than the album version. I, I absolutely love them both equally, but in different ways. Like, uh, mm. ha ha Housequake is such a sublime production on record. Mm. It, it's it's so it's ju it's just got it's made of exactly the right stuff and it's the weirdest thing but it's just it, it's 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 bang on dead on it man. It's that jumpy bass that. Dun, 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 dun. Well, it's got about two. It's got about two bass lines, two different drum tracks. There's so much going on. I'm I, sorry. I'm just running my mouth. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, no. Go, man, go. <laughs> um, play that thing. Um, but the, the, that guitar stab that. Ching, ching, ching. 
like I, I, I'm guessing that everybody here has this experience, like with Prince, uh, with no, like with no other musician. You can go back and listen to a track that you've heard seven hundred times, and then on listen seven hundred and one, you hear something, something new, else. Yep. and you're like, always. How, how, I mean, apart from the fact that he made thousands of songs, how much did he code into each song? Seriously, I, I go out of my way to on certain tracks for reproducing stuff and playing stuff and deciding how to do it. I forensically go over stuff, but it's still exactly what you say. And then, then there's some things like, hang on a minute, was that actually there before? Have I, was it so perfect, sublime... And part of the part of the solution that I've missed that before. It, like, genius, sheer genius. The, atten- the attention to detail in his best work is absolutely jaw dropping. Like, I remember when um, I first started really getting into Prince when I was tiny, tiny, and I actually consciously remember being so small. And then he would make just a little sound on a record or something, and used to sit there for a good ten minutes and go, "What made him put that there?" <laughs> Yeah. Why there? Why that Very noise much. there? When did that enter his head? Well, my, my big my big theory is that you know, I, and Chopin will kind of have a different view because Chopin's a big dancer. But um, my, my but I have this sort of theory about Prince as a dance artist, and I don't think he is. I think he sounds like he's a dance artist, but really, what he wants you to do is sit down like. Uh, in your, you know, like as if you're listening to an album in a bed sit like Joni Mitchell and listen to every nuance. And he wants to communicate with you. He does it with this four on the floor, but he wants you to hear every little and every little squeak. And he, want, he, wants, to, he wants to really talk to you with, with every detail. Like he's a head artist. He's a, he's a head artist. I would agree, I would agree with you with that he wants you to listen to every single aspect and that I like, would not deny but I as somebody who dances and has done dance you don't say now <laughs> yeah you don't have to be sitting down to hear it sometimes your body will tell you something that's there that your ears do not no no of like, course I, I get and that. And that's a way of, and, and, you know, and playing music is one way of appreciation. I, but I think what you're saying, the core of what you're saying, that he wants you to hear it. It's none of it, nothing on that record is there by accident. Well, well, no, that's right. I mean, put, put it this way. Like, um, he's the only dance artist I can think of who people analyze in the way that people listen so closely, like they would do for a kind of, you know, a singer-songwriter's every inflection. He's, he's not pure yeah. dance. He's like, like with many things, he sits on a crossroad. Of, hmm. and, and this crossroad is feet and head music. Yeah. I don't think he's pure anything. He's n- no, no, like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's pure prince and that's it. <laughs> uh, that's I mean, so going to be the next T-shirt, pure prince. He's 100% pure prince. <laughs> There's also two things that really are, um, is really interesting, like in terms of hearing a record, like, for the 10th time, like the first time, is like if you go away and listen to, you know, like the demos and then all the remixes and you, there's like, there's a demo of uh, positivity and there's like, well, why isn't that disjointed keyboard there? Like there's this beautiful, and I'm just like, why isn't there there in the record? And then I listen back to the record and it's like, oh, it is there. I just never heard it. And I'm just like, and because and like in the demo, I was just like, I was filling up and going, this is amazing. Why isn't this there? And I listened back and I was like, it is there. And it was making me do that. 
but I didn't hear it. And there was... It, it's, it's really extraordinary how much is in there. Yeah. And also in on the like Get Off Maxi single, when you're hearing like, Get Off remixes, and then I go, oh, why didn't he put this little bit in there? Um, and then you go back to the original and it's like, oh, that, that, that is in there. There's, there's so many Prince songs, right, that are so full of good things. And then I often find myself thinking, another artist would have used the hook that he just chucked in there. And that would have been, they would have used, they would have sat on that for about three minutes and that would have been the basis of their otherwise dull song, right? Prince throws it off once and then moves on to a new, new riff. Like he, he's got so many hooks in, in every song. Uh, and, and, he, and like such an embarrassment of me. He, he plays them once and moves on. In, yeah. It's like symbol. Symbol is two albums happening at the same time in terms of tracks. There's so much density into those tracks that actually it's kind of like, like too many. Like it's so dense that you can actually separate it out and make two different songs with the same amount of tracks. So, right. I mean, I think I think like talking about um, sort of patchwork because that's quite a patchwork album. Sign is like the ultimate patchwork, right? Mm. Um, Q Magazine at the time said it's a real patchwork of the album they went ah but some of those patches and I think at this period in Prince's career every song was like a different adventure no cross right no song is straight I think on the side of the top yeah if if a journalist says patchwork there's perhaps a slightly negative connotation to it I always look at Sign of the Times as Prince is strongest uh, again, this is this is somewhat of a personal opinion. But Prince's uh, strongest is when he's being the most eclectic, and he's basically throwing yeah. a rock song, a pop song, a jazz song, a soul song. That that's fucking genius. That is genius because there are very very few few people who can do that. Now there are even less people who can do it, but also maintain uh, not just because their voice sounds like them, but also maintain. I think Andy kind of speaks to this with this idea of sort of, uh, I can't remember the phrase you used, but he still sounds like Prince. Uh And that's not, as I say, not just because it's his voice, because the way that he packages each individual completely different stylistic song still sounds like Prince, not because it's falsetto possibly or anything like that. It's absolute genius. And for me, strongest albums were the ones where he stuck to the, sort of eclectic feel. And this is why a double album doesn't feel like a, a, an effort because there's just so much difference. Well, and well so it was a triple depth. for a while, wasn't it? I mean... Yeah, yeah. Well, there were, what was it? Um, Dream Factory, Camille and Crystal Ball, multiple yeah. versions, etc., etc. What kind of a genius gets rid of a song like Crystal Ball, like from an album? Like, that is... I mean, anybody else, that would be... Oh, my God, I've just... I've created this thing. You have to listen to it. And here's like, nah, nah, you're going to have to wait 20 years. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just did a 10 minute symphony, but I'm not going to put it on the record. <laughs> Although he, I mean, it, actually that was Warner's, wasn't it? Telling him not to. So he didn't quite throw it away. Well, they didn't say he couldn't release that song. All they said was you could, you can only release two, uh, two discs. That, that is true. He had to, but he, he had to make decisions and he decided mm. that was it. But, yeah, it, it just feels like at this stage in his career, and it has been like for me throughout the eighties, but particularly um, around Sign more than anything. Every song he goes, what is the most interesting way to get through this song from point A 
to come out the other side? What are the most interesting, extraordinary, and yet natural feeling decisions? And it's it's a mind that is just working like nobody else's mind. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same for you guys, is that when you have a non-Prince fan say, oh, what album would you recommend? Uh, the Times is always, is the one that I always put forward. I always say, you know, not my personal favourite, but it was the one that I would recommend. And a lot of people call that the pinnacle album of to, to new fans to listen to. I don't know if it's the same for you. Because it does have a little bit of everything. I've done the same. Yeah. I've actually did Sign of the Times myself in under that same circumstances. And I think the reason I went for it is because it's commercial enough for someone who's into mainstream music to not be scared off. But yeah. it's got just about enough of prints in there, prints like not commercial for you to be eased in and kind of start. If you're not used to this and you, you've never heard prints before, I think it's just the perfect kind of ease in. It does it without being so confrontational. Yeah. That's a neat trick because in isolation, for somebody who's new, how would you explain if I was your girlfriend to somebody? Or how would you explain uh, Dorothy Parker, a track which is the flavour of that track. Oh, and it's a drum machine. It's not a drummer with it's not a drummer with um, brushes or something. It's like it's, it's utter genius. There's just no two ways about it. And starfish and coffee as well. Like, <laughs> like the, the, the word the word for me about sign is is rare. You know, as he says in Housequake, the rare Housequake. Everything is very rarefied on this album. It's like it's it, it's it's like one level more controlled, more. Uh, impeccable, more tasteful, and more inventive than anything else he did for me. I think, like um, for you know, and there's a lot of accidents in the studio around this album, isn't there? There's um, apparently uh, the background vocals for, for backing vocals for forever in my life come in at the wrong place. So Prince goes, "Great, I love that." And then you have um, you have the front melody line out of sync with the backing vocals, and it just sounds extraordinary. And well, then. Did it- didn't Susan Rogers do something wrong with um, If I Was Your Girlfriend, which was a single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, like, well, oh my God, no, I love that book. It, it went into the red. She clipped it. it girlfriend, it, girlfriend is distorted. Yeah. Uh, forever in my life literally comes in like a bar too early in the background. Um, Dor- uh, Dorothy Parker, yeah, the, the desk was underpowered, so there's no bottom line properly. And yet all of them just sound absolutely inspired and he knew he knew which choices to keep at that point you know which ones yeah. work it was like yeah there's no need to screw with that that's perfect and it's that thing of like it's often you know it's often mentioned that prince is a perfectionist but like like susan rogers said no he ain't well i think in dwayne but, Tudor's book it uh talks about that quite a lot and it, yeah a lot of folks say no he was just the opposite he was fast he went for feel. He went. He didn't go yeah. for perfection. He went for. He went for the feel and for the the grit of the thing. How organic it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think maybe he was perfect at points, but he wasn't a perfectionist. I think once he decided, like this is recorded, this is the track. I think when we start moving into sort of the live performances and getting the band to play yeah. their bit, I think that's when the perfectionism comes into it. Oh, but I think yeah. with the process of writing and recording, I think it's like, get it out, get it down quick. You know, I mean, it must have been exhausting to just have all that music coming through you, right? Yeah. Well, he, he calls it a curse, didn't he? In one of the interviews, he says it's, it's a bit of a curse having yeah. to constantly 
have that coming from you. I think we all wish we had a bit of that curse sometimes, right? Very true. I mean, look at the uh, like the list of songs that are on that on those outtake discs. Like, uh, you realise we've been doing this for an hour and eight minutes, and we've only just got to the <laughs> longest Prince podcast ever. Oh, it's going to be a three-hour. This is going to be a thirteen-disc podcast, guys. <laughs> 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 I mean, I still think there's a lot more to say on. Uh, I can take <laughs> and the joke of it is there is, but let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> I mean, I said who sits on a song like Crystal Ball, but who sits on a song like In All My Dreams? Oh my God, what a song. right! What a song! Beautiful song. In a, in a large room with no lights, who sits on a song like that? Uh, I can think of one guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, this is a bit like Dylan as well. It, when it, when he was making stuff, and there, there would be there would be great stuff that didn't make it onto some of his albums, and the reason is that it doesn't fit a concept ultimately. But um, but you, you know, I, I consistently say to people, some of Prince's outtakes from the eighties have a better for me than other bands' entire careers, <laughs> and all my dreams is one of those songs. It, it's a real favourite with everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's magnificent. I still it's, wish that one was going out on the parade set. I've got to say. Well, there's still plenty to go on the parade set. I know it just feels I mean, more parade to me than sign. I, I guess at least this way you can complete Dream Factory, and they don't like, and that's it. You, there's no more need to call out for Dream Factory. I think that's why they did it. Okay. Yeah, because you the same thing. You still got like others here. Well, others here were their old friends for sale, the Flesh, and you know the full strings and whatever to go on the. Uh, okay. I, f- I forget that. All My Dreams was going to be on Dream Factory. Is that right? Yeah. So, like, you c- it's a way of completing the Dream Factory because everybody said, release Camille, or real, which is Rebirth of the Flesh is the only thing you need for that. Oh. Uh, you know. haven't, haven't we basically got all the tracks for um, an arrangement of each of those three prior concepts on no. this? Because I think Michael Howes, the archivist, said that they had originally looked at, you know, do we do this in, in that way? Do we do, um, oh, I'm losing all my names now. Do we do a Camille? Do we do a Crystal Ball? Et cetera, et cetera. Or do we, uh, you know, pick the songs in a different way? But in the end, they wanted to have the content, but not, not sort of block them off into, into groups. Right. Um, but if they're all there, you just, you just use your playlists and off you know, yeah. create yourself. But then yeah. some of the singles aren't, but then some of the, I think like you've only got the short stroke of I Feel You Up streaming, the long stroke isn't streaming. And it's, I'm not entirely sure that it's completely true because I think there's minor mixes and there's the little. I'm not entirely yeah. sure about that. I mean, it's released. If you've got the CDs, then, it, then you've got it all. Uh, but I think you've got like segues, like the way that join repetition um, segues in, in you've got the way you've got like a jazzy guitar intro to I could never take the place of your man so it's you've basically got the songs but there are little bits and bobs but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some kind of I mean look they, they want to get the cash out of us I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a Camille pressing for record store day or a dream factory for record store day I mean 
Hey, give me Roadhouse Garden, please. Yeah, like, why not? <laughs> we'll get rinsed for all this down the line with the extra eight seconds of music that we haven't got officially. Guys, can we not give the estate any more ideas, please? <laughs> they do listen to this, I swear. <laughs> Rinse me now! Yeah, They're listening right. to this with a big notepad going, okay. <laughs> okay, so, but, I, I, but, but you're right. I'm kind of glad that... All, I'd forgotten that all my dreams was on um, Dream Factory, so that's... I feel better about it being on this now. I, I yeah. hate that fact. But what what songs is everyone particularly excited about on the outtakes? Because I've got a few. Rebirth of the Flesh, me. That song is killer. Hearing that properly mastered, that is just a banging, banging song. In every respect, love it. We do get a few seconds of stuff we've apparently never heard on that as well. I think the outro, apparently, yeah, I'm fascinated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got a weird one, right? Which is, um, I absolutely love the song "Emotional Pump." Mm. I think it's mm. so good, and it's it's such a strange melody. It's it's like it, it's Prince making Prince making a melody as difficult and uh, alien as possible, and it still sounds brilliant. Uh, and and everything about that song is properly perverse. Um, I don't mean the lyrics; I mean a little, but uh, everything is kinky. It's like the phrasing of the melody is weird. The the melody of the melody is weird. Uh, well, okay, here's the downside of being a big Prince freak is that when they release all this stuff, like, it's a bit weird because the rest, the rest of the world goes, wow, 48 new Prince tracks, and we go, 13 new Prince tracks. That's where we've mortgaged our futures, guys. And, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm excited about the ones I've never heard of, always. I'm interested in what version of Soul Psychedelicide you know, I've heard the studio versions of later eras. I've heard the rehearsal, of, you know, the hour-long rehearsal of Soul Psychedelicide. And, you know, he's giving tapes, uh, commands to tape this section, what have you. And I wonder if it's a studio version made out of that rehearsal or whether it's a completely new thing or... How much do you think they'll charge for the year-long version, Shokes? <laughs> I'll be paying for four months. <laughs> I'm looking um, forward to actually hearing a proper version of Coco Boys. Yeah, well, a lot of people said that. I feel like it's a weird one. I remember the first time I heard it, and Prince being a horn section with his mouth just made the whole song for me. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely cracks me up every single time, and I don't know why. It's just one of those tracks that I absolutely adore. So to have an official, crisp version of that track, I'm really looking forward to. He was doing a few little instrumental tricks with his vocal cords back then like on Shockadelica he does a bit of um, bass boxing doesn't he yeah human bass box which, uh, which sounds really cool because it's Prince <laughs> so I, th- I, th- I thought Andy's I thought that you'd be really like waiting for the ball the bo- I-, I can't remember what's on there right now the ball is on there right yeah like- I- I'm totally I'm to- oh I'm totally waiting for the ball it's just it's just the um Emotional pump has just become something that I'm sort of obsessed by in the last few weeks. I just, I've heard it before, but didn't pay it much attention. And now it's like, it's not top of my list. There's loads of, the the ball is great. The ball to me, we've never had a particularly clean version, have we? And Mm. there's such an embarrassment of riches on here. I haven't really thought about which is my favorite. The ball to me sounds like if somebody could make a psychedelic, pinball machine 
in a swimming pool sound like music, that would be the ball, and that someone is pretty. <laughs> I love <Good> that description. <laughs> it's really just, I mean, I mean, it's just, he was just painting such weird pictures back then. They're just peculiar. Nothing's normal. And that, that, what are you looking forward to? Sorry, what are you looking forward to, Chopin? This is Soul Psychedelicide. Um, weirdly power fantastic with the jazzy intro in really like perfect quality. I'm intrigued to see, uh, so intrigued to hear the early version of Forever in My Life vocal oh. run through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, early, uh, early vocal run through, yeah. One thing that I am kind of interested to hear is Eggplant because, you know, uh, there was two songs that they didn't release for the 1999 uh, Extra Lovable and Lust You Always because of the lyrics don't stand up to time and they're not, you know, because uh, they uh, mentioning raping songs. But Eggplant has got, you know, like, you know, you got, uh, um, I think it's Wendy saying, oh, she's retarded, which again now is like uncomfortable lyrical territory. And I wonder if it's, I wonder if there's a version of that that doesn't say that or whether they just didn't think that that was as controversial as the other lyrics, because it's, you know, like as we're looking at stuff that stands the test of time. And I think it's, I actually think it's interesting to release them with the context of Prince decided not to release this, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'd be fascinated to, for that reason, just to hear that. And I love that song anyway, but, you know, that's kind of like one of those kind of, you listen to this good song and it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's showing it's time. <laughs> I would also rather that they didn't try to abridge anything that they, you know, that's what he recorded. It's a historical document, blah, blah, blah. And like, like, there's not a lot of hate in Prince's music. No. No. no, because at the same time he's, he's at the same time he's writing something like um, Starfish and Coffee, so it's or the cross, yeah. the cross, yeah. I mean, well, that's a big, big, you know, that's a generous song, right? That's a really compassionate song. Well, I think I, I, I say Starfish and Coffee more because it's somebody with, about somebody with an intellectual disability, oh, oh, and the oh. counterpoint to like Wendy saying she's retarded, you know, like and. I, when, when Wendy says that, it just feel, it feels to me like kind of valley speak or something like. Yeah, I know it absolutely is. It Probably was at the time, but, and and it, and it is. But that's what I think. We're saying it's like sometimes things pop out as a thing of their time. Not that I'm particularly, you know, I'm I'm not about to destroy my Prince collection based on any of those examples that I played. But chiefly because they're things that he kind of listened to and the thing he chose to release. Was starfish and coffees, starfish and coffee, rather than that. Yeah. So that in itself, to me, is why this box set is interesting because it okay. shows you the dis- you know he moves so fast, doesn't think about it, and then when it comes to releasing it, that's when he makes the decision. Right. Yeah, that's true. And eggplant is a silly song. It's a comedy song. It's a genius comedy song because it's yeah. anything else on earth. But it's but it's it's for Prince. It's a throwaway. Um. Songs that he gave for Lisa or Wendy to do the main vocal on, how attached was he to those songs? Hmm. You know, because things like Our Destiny seems like he thought that was quite important, but A Place in Heaven he records with his vocal and with her vocal, and this is just with hers. You know, like, it's just kind of like that... 
that's why this box set is fascinating. These box sets, box sets are fascinating because it goes into the decision making and like, does it sound better with me? Does it sound better with her? Am I this yeah, attached yeah. to this song? His opinion of a song might have had different uh, agendas at different times. Like I think, for instance, The Glamorous Life was a very important song for him to hand off because he wanted to launch Sheila Ree's career. So that wasn't a throwaway at all. And like yeah. A Love Bazaar is a fantastic track, but he's doing it to bolster something that he cares about mm. a lot at that point, which is Sheila's career. And uh, the time know. stuff. You know what's an interesting intersection here is that like on Sign of the Times, he, ha he has his own alter ego. He has Camille. Yeah. yeah. So like he's handing off tracks to Camille. I mean, we know they came from the Camille project, but the tracks are so freaking good. And they, they, all, they, they add another dimension to Sign of the Times, which, you know, it just makes it deeper and richer still. I um, like the idea that Camille is basically like his way of uh, bringing back in-house Wendy and Lisa's vocals. <laughs> I, I, oh, I don't think it's... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, I don't... I don't like, he's going back to his kind of, I don't need a band, I don't need female backing singers, I can just play... I, I don't play. hear it like that. I just hear it like, um, it's, it's just like, whatever the song needs, it's like whatever costume the song needs to wear. And like, yeah. the, the, and for, like the Camille songs nearly always deal with some kind of... Um, sexual kind of confusion, right? Rock hard in a funky place. Yeah. Um, strange relationship. Uh, obviously, if I was your girlfriend. Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple of bangers there, like Housequake is Camille. Again, like, <laughs> who have you got on MCing tonight for your, for, for your house party? It's Camille. That's yeah. why it's Housequake. It sounds so weird. So, so but it, it just seems to me like another way to go like, oh, there's a theatre within yeah. the theatre. Interestingly, Rock Hard in the Funky Place I don't think is streaming either because the Black Album isn't. So that's another way in which you can't make the Camille album unless you've got the CDs. Yeah, they're going to sell us it in the future. We yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm saying give them ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm they, they sorry. They've got these ideas, Lee. <laughs> they go, these suckers are going to buy anything. Um, <laughs> I've told them news, gatefold vinyl. Uh, Here's the money. Now, if they brought out news on LP and it opened the same way as the CD. <laughs> oh, my. Did Sopa just jump out of his chair? I literally have said that. I'm like, uh, they uh, could uh, even do like an Earth picture disc, just saying. Okay, that, that, that is actually a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wouldn't do the picture disc because the picture discs don't sound as good. But if they had slip mats, I could see it in his eyes. Compass, the compass slip mat. The compass on, yes. Yeah, compass one side, the earth the other side. Yeah. If you guys get kidnapped you. by Paisley Park, I'm not paying the ransom. <laughs> and we don't, don't want you to pansom. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, what a nightmare. Leave us here. Paisley Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh damn, I'm here in the vault with all these tapes making. No, don't play me them music tracks. <laughs> don't play me. Don't play me. <laughs> so, so when is this thing being released again? September the what now? Yeah, September the too far away. It's not as far away, though, I've noticed, right, as we inch through... September 25th. 25th. Oh, that's miles away. What am I saying? That's like 20 years from now. 
I'd laugh if I'd laugh if like the, the vaccine comes just the week before and it's like everything's open. All the Prince fans are like, no, we're in lockdown again. Yeah. <laughs> it says expected ship date September twenty third on the website. Twenty third. Okay, that's what are we now? Let's have a look. Now I'm getting really excited. So we should got- do a second podcast with the follow up to this of when we've actually got it all. And then- <sighs> oh, strange relationship, Shep Pettibone mix. Oh yeah, I'm interested. I'm in. I mean, I mean, I. Uh, you know, I, I never quite like it if it's not Prince's re- as much. But I, you know what? I really like the um, the Glam Slam remix he did. I'm 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 really I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm fascinated because I, Petty Bone is like I'm remixes a lot of Madonna stuff at the time, and I yeah. love those remixes. So for me, it's like kind of like okay, oh, and I think, bridge between the two. Great. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it could be great. A strange relationship has always had that really great club beat in it even though I maintain Prince isn't a dance artist because that song is that song is complex. There is a version of Strange Relationship that I was really hoping would be on here and I hope one of you guys might be able to help me here. I heard a version of that song and it's got like a sitar at the start. I think that version is on here. That is on, yeah. Is it on there? Yeah. yeah. That's the more Wendy and Lisa-esque version yeah. before he pared it down, I think. Yes. Yeah, Strange Relationship, I think, as. Uh, original version. Oh, so that would be the sitar. I love that version. It was the version that was on Dream Factory. Um, yeah. And indeed, that is my favourite version of that song as well. I really yeah. do love it. Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh, wow. You know what? I've never... I've never um, I, I, for me, it's the studio version every time. Mm. But um, uh, Sorry, the, the release version on Sign. But... I look forward to revisiting that one. I think maybe I've never paid it quite enough attention. What about the um, the two versions of Witness for the prosecution that we're getting? Oh, that with? song is, again, another absolutely herb song. That's one that I suppose we've been more fortunate. It's been around in, in, in decent uh, a decent copy for many years. But um, oh, I, I'm not exactly sure what the difference is between the two. I may have only... Oh, well, have you, well what, we're getting the two most extreme versions here. We're getting, well... We're getting the, the more extreme version. One of them is the kind of Hendrixy Sly Stone type feel one, which we know. And then the other one is the abstracted Prince going solo and turning it into a kind of electro-funk number, which is an amazing version. I like the fact that the estate put it on YouTube with the announcement all around about the same time as the announcement. I thought that was very clever. I actually, um, when I first heard it, when I first streamed it on Spotify, I was actually speaking to you about it, wasn't a Paddy? And I said, when I first heard it, I was like, this is like the perfect track that Prince could have plucked yeah. out of the vault and played with Third Eye Girl. Uh-huh. I think yeah. it would have really translated yeah, well. well. It would have worked. I remember playing this, I remember many years ago uh, when our uh, current and long-standing bass player, Ryan, um, joined the band. I'd already got him. He was already interested and blah, blah, blah. And he came around to my house and I thought, what what awesome Prince stuff can I play him that he won't ever have heard before? And I played him Witness the Prosecution. I just remember his eyes lighting up. It's like, oh my God, why is this not on an album? I said, right, you're starting to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the good thing is now it's, now it's been released. You can put it in the set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to ask that question. Is there anything you plan to add to your set now? It, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse doing um, Prince's music because oh fuck, there are so many tracks that are, are tracks that have yet to see the light of day or that are coming out 
soon on this that I'd love to put in. There's nothing specific, if I'm honest. That I can, uh, I, we're slipping towards we're slipping towards the medleyization of so many things, so we can cram more in. I think that's <laughs> the only way that things are going to see the light of day, unless I unless I sort of um, block off a, a section of our set list that's always something that people probably won't know but that we just need to play and that the the ten percent of the audience who know what they're listening to are dying to listen to it's kind of that kind of thing you can always chuck in a riff in a different key kind of at the end of you might have to start doing a sample of set (laughs) well well I, i like to stay light on that i think if if you're cheeky enough to do a tribute band you've got to play the instruments otherwise you get shot um but i've been trying i've been wanting to put bloody g-spot in a in a in a set for fuck knows how long there is so oh there's so many Uh, again rebirth of the flesh is one for me that i think live would resonate beautifully as a as a if people even if people didn't know it you know it's like as a standalone boom 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 i mean how could you describe a song like rebirth of the flesh i mean i'm curious because what a strange Absolutely. Again, a perfect example of Prince's well consistent innovation and the fact that he can do things that just sound like Prince. I always, I always thought with like Parade that that whole album, it, it just, it just nobody's ever made anything that sounds like that did, and there was certainly nothing at the time that sounds like that did. No, and that was you know that's all about the X Factor. Is that Parade? Genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing. Yeah, I can't think of another album that it's, sounds it's like Parade. Nothing. I mean, um, similar to uh, Love, Sex is kind of the same. You, you, yeah. it's just you know it's singular, um, singularly iterative. It's just him. It's just him. Amazing. It is amazing. I um like Rebirth of the Flesh, jazz psychedelic rock a bit of hip-hop in there it's bizarre isn't it i'll i'll, I'll, I'll just cut myself and bleed if i try and yeah yeah, yeah what that song should be it's no it's, it's true please send your answers on a postcard <laughs> <laughs> i'll be in the comments now <laughs> all is anonymous yeah exactly how would you describe rebirth of the flesh I always find that you know, like how you know, the, there's the the Prince music has these branches and songs set along these branches. And discussed it before some of us, but I always think with Rebirth of the Flesh is that like a seed one. It's the first time you hear him do that snare drum pound on the two and four. Yeah, you know, and then you hear it in Glam Slam Escape. You hear it live. You you know it, it and little bits of it permeate throughout. Oh, yeah, because, of course, it, the Solio Colia bit got used in Walk, Don't Walk, didn't it? Yeah. I've, I've totally forgotten. But, um, so, and I think, I, I sometimes think that, like, these really good songs, like Nine to Five People as well, like, they, the reason they don't get used is because they're basically, he uses them like a farm for riffs. If they don't come out when they meant to come out, then they become a farm for riffs. Mm, a riff farm, I love it. Yeah. Down on the riff farm. <laughs> the run down on the riff farm. <laughs> the, guy, the guy sure harvested a lot of grooves. From 1979, as we now know, for yeah. Sign of the Times. Like, that is such a nice thought. <laughs> riff farm, I love it. Well, there are lots of songs that just like, they, they don't get released, but bits of them make their way out. Like, okay. There was that kind of um, sort of very um, 
Eastern guitar line he played with a million times before finally putting it onto the Max. This rave. Love Max. Andy, are you being converted into a 90s fan? No, I preferred it when he played it at the school club. <laughs> but um, it, was all, it was such a killer riff and it just didn't find a place forever. And then, you know, I, I like the Max. It's a good song, but um, he, he, yeah, it could, have, it could have gone on 20 different tracks, that riff. But, but they're also, that ended up being used again on We Live To Get Funky. It's like in the 2010s. So that that riff was used over and over again. The Max, Raven to the Joy, Fantastic, We he Live really to Get Funky. He liked it live a lot. Yeah, yeah. He it on record. Okay, so, so I have a question on... for everyone. Sorry. Go on, Liv. Right, I, was, I was just going to throw in, there's a riff on um, Emancipation on my computer. Which obviously then got used again for musicology i remember i heard that track after i heard musicology and i, I was listening to the album and was like wait what <laughs> that that shouldn't be here uh-huh. i haven't noticed that i it's right more homework yeah no I, I no you're right it uses like the first half of the my computer riff and then adds a little embellishment i've never noticed that that's a that's a great catch yeah he uses part of the uh, let's go crazy like dance mix in Love Left, Love Right. He plays a, one of the guitar lines on the synth that The best one's when he just goes, damn it, I've just written a song called Get Off, I need to write a new one called Get Off, and I'll just add an extra T. <laughs> <laughs> well, this love and, apparently Love and Sex on this is different than Love and Sex on the Purple Rain Deluxe. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's a different song, like because there's two songs called The Max. Uh, aren't they both, um, aren't those Love and Sex songs both based, they're both kind of a, a quasi cover of an older song anyway, a non print song? Lee, what was your question? My question is you get the box set on the day, what is the first track you will play? Ah, good or do you play it from the start, or do you play a specific track? Would oh. you go straight to the outtakes? What, what, what are you? I'd, I'd do the remaster first. I want to. I, I, from the perspective of, I think this is one of the albums that could most benefit from a, a really stellar remaster. Um, so for me, yeah, I want to hear the album remastered. I think they did a, a, a good job in 1999, a reasonable job, although it was Prince's actual remaster, I suppose, for Purple Rain. But um, I really want to hear the remaster so i'd go straight to that and do it in order i think smart sign of the times as a track is my go-to track if i've got new headphones new speakers it's my track that i always put on to test them so oh. mine will straight to the album from the start and run that's, through that's cool mine kiss incidentally to test new headphones ah. so that'd be a cool question what's your prince test sound equipment track <laughs> <laughs> Man, no, show me you can see show me <laughs> <laughs> that's, I've actually done it with doves. If I turn stuff up really loud, okay. it'd be doves because of the sort of flat sort of the non remastered version, the sort of flat power of it. Doves. Yeah, doves. Yeah, if you know the audio dynamics that you expect to hear, that's why you choose a song like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's why like it'd be something that you were familiar with. Uh, so I think I 
if I was testing it, that, the, the, I think the audio that I'm most familiar with would be like Get Off, Violet, The Organ Grinder, or Thunder, you know, because that's the ones that I... Yeah. Yeah, if they, if they feel right, you can, you can make love. Yeah. The problem is, is like, those all, like the CDs of, I think Sign of the Times is going to be one, like a remaster that might end up being a go-to because that, that intro, that, that bassy synth, uh-huh. you know, the currently Love Sexy Sign of the Times around the world in a day are kind of really thin and quiet and on uh-huh. CD and it's just like, that remastered could be a good... <laughs> But what, what, so you're going to go and listen to the whole album first, Paddy, which I think is really admirable, and I think I'm going to try to. But I think it will be hard for me not to just jump straight into the outtake because I read that it. vault. Those uh, no, I, I get you. I do hear where you're coming from with those vault CDs. I really do. I'm not going to pretend that um, I'm not going to play the DVD first. <laughs> before sure, we yeah, forgot about the DVD. The DVD. Yeah, sure. We haven't even Would got you read there. the book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't ever. <laughs> you can read Chopin. the book while you're listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Chopin, what are you going to do when you first get it, apart from doing the unboxing video with a small knife? <laughs> Cry to myself in the corner with joy. <laughs> <laughs> then possibly think about opening it. <laughs> I think look at it with wonderment like the monolith in 2010 do you know like <laughs> uh, but I think I'm going to go with the album and just in in album you know the single edit single edit single remixes then onto the outtakes then onto the live just work through it and then uh this is what I did with 1999 and then the DVD last um, oh, just got such restraint <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's after all of that new stuff. I know I'm just going to want to listen and absorb that stuff again and again and again. So I don't, I like, I don't want to. It's almost like I don't want to still have the remaster to listen to a month down the road because if I start listening to the outtakes first or watching the video first, it is just going to be repeat consumption of those for a long while before I'm going to go back to the album version. So I think it's kind of like a making sure I listen, appreciate, uh, read gives me time to read the notes. Here's a question for you on a related subject. When was the last time any of you guys listened to the outtakes from the 1999 Super Deluxe? Wednesday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> couple, a couple of days ago. Yeah. I'm just, I just was curious as to whether... We all listen to them way, 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 and then it falls off sometimes. No, do you know the, that... Nine, uh, again... Amazing set, by the way, that, those outtakes. The 1999 release was a, a revelation itself, absolutely. The, of, uh, after the Purple Rain one was done, and unfortunately, obviously, I know he was involved in, in doing that remaster. Well, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure if he was involved in the content of the outtakes or not. I doubt it very much. No. no. I, I, so, for me, the first sort of true, oh, God, I hate to even say it, post-Prince uh-huh. effort release of an, uh, one of his original albums, uh, how I really desperately wanted it to be 1999 first, actually, because of the mechanical aspects, the groundbreaking aspects. I'm a, uh, I'm a devotee to Lindrum and, and everything that it means and how he produced and used Lindrum. Uh, but that release is... The, oh, uh, I thought it was an well. extraordinary release. And, so consequently, know, yes, I've listened to those very recently. Oh, Sorry, I, I found myself the other day realising I've 
they've fallen off rotation a bit and I went back and basically did the lot of them again. Oh, dude, five Hail Marys, five Hail Marys. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I did a similar thing. I, I listened to it like crazy when it first came out and it has kind of drifted off a little bit and I find myself going back to certain tracks. Yeah. It's been a very long time since I've gone, right, I'm going to put that on and just have that in the background playing through. Tell you what I do find, if I'm listening to it on Spotify and I do different sort of random Prince playlists, I love using the a lot of the single edits or a lot of the songs shorter versions because you're hearing a slightly different version and if I'm going on a walk you can fit more in but you're still getting the song <laughs> rather than listening to eight minutes of it. You listen to three minutes like automatic for example, a short version of that. Yeah. Um, so as well as having them because it's good for completism, as per shops, et cetera, et cetera, I love the flexibility and resilience it gives you with oh, things right. like Spotify, love it or hate it, uh, and playlists. Can I make a confession with that? Go on. I think Automatic runs out of steam on the album and it just kind of, you know, it's a great, it's a fantastic start, but I think by the end of it, it's kind of like... And there, it's are, there are times when curtailing them to singles doesn't do them any harm. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel dirty thinking about it, but I, I, I do. Sometimes I think that, you know, it, we, for me, the 1999 release, this will uh, be relevant to what you just said, I think, but actually, I, I, I thought it was so well curated. It was so well mastered. It was so well sequenced. And the, yeah. listening to all of the outtakes, totally. Not that I'm ever that far out of it, but it totally got me back into that perfect listening mode where you understand every beat that Prince is, every moment that you're totally in Prince's musical world again when you listen to those outtakes. And um, so when you listen to something like the long version of Automatic and you're in the goddamn mood, great. But I, mm. I, so, some, I think of all, the, of all the long songs on 1999, that's the one that sometimes falls off for me, sure. Yeah, uh, that's what. See the way I listen, like the way I listen to it now is like because I've got Tidal, and so what I've done is created a playlist, and it's not, and it's all of the unreleased material that has been released posthumously, and I've put them in date of record order. So you know, it starts with uh, a filthy uh, um, demo and goes now goes all the way up to witness for the pro uh, witness for the prosecution and it includes all of the stuff that was on the purple rain deluxe 1999 deluxe originals all the kind of the little singles nothing compares to you so i've put those in one long playlist and what that was interested in interesting for is uh, seeing how much has actually been released since he died oh. and it's about 63 tracks long yeah. So, like, so it's six, in in what four four years, sixty three songs. Yes. There's not many artists that released that when they were alive. Know, you know, yeah, it's so going to be more. <laughs> they, so they ain't doing too badly. You know what I mean? The thing I always say to people who don't know how much Prince did is like, the more you know about him, the less yeah. you believe it. Yeah. Like the less yeah. you believe how much he produced and how much great stuff he produced. Um, but I, that 1999 set was so good as well that I was then able to go back to the Purple Rain CD and I could relax around it and just listen to it because it was such a scrappy release. But once I realized that the 1999 set, it, that, that was when I got my peaceful night's sleep. 
oh, they're doing <laughs> No, I, 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 really think, I really think down the line, after they've done a few releases, they will do another release of Purple Rain with a bigger a bigger set. Oh, I think sure. it'll 40th anniversary or something. And they should yeah. do it. It's a bad release, but I, I could, but yeah, I, I could stop. It just sounded like a lot of nothing the way they sequenced it, which is a terrible thing to do to Prince or anyone. But, um, but you know, they're doing it right now. So that I think that's, we're happy, right? Happy guys? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Purple Ring could do use a bit of a uh, revisit but in a while, I think there's a lot of his yeah. catalogue. I mean, I'm I'm kind of purpled out, to be quite honest. I'll be honest with you. Oh, like, I was I was saying, yeah, I think it I'm was. purpled I, out. I so want Parade, Love Sexy, uh, and yeah. into the nineties. Uh, let's have it. No. Symbol diamonds and pearls. Symbol diamonds and pearls. Symbol diamonds and pearls. Yeah. Let's get wait for the sign of the times first. <laughs> 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 this is why? why this is why they don't need us to give them ideas they know we will go for this stuff rubbing their arms outside Paisley Park going you got any more reissues yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I go cold turkey before I even get <laughs> no but like this but there's been I've been spend, spending years making these wish lists like listening to bootlegs and making wish lists in my head you know you know, Diamonds and Pearls reissue with the full 10-minute, like, ballet suite of Thunder and Poor Little Bastard. And you know, and the live jam sessions with those guys were exceptional. You know, Exodus is basically, you know, there's two other, is a double album waiting to happen with, you know, extended versions of Hallucination Rain. You know, like, wherever you go in his career, I mean, there's, there's albums that we don't even know exist that he's finished. Rainbow Children, there's a Rainbow Children 2 by all accounts, like with art work finished. You know, Do we so movies that haven't come out that could come out. 2121 movie, yeah, yeah. Like, or Lotus Flower movie, is it re edited too? Uh, like, surely there's enough material. I'm not necessarily ever would want this, but surely there's enough material for another originals album as well. Oh, yeah. and then some. Yeah. Um, my one of my personal wish lists is like apparently the song uh, love song which ended up on like a prayer was just one of the songs and a, a cassette tape full of stuff that Prince and Madonna were sending tapes back and forth and that they were doing with each other. So like I don't know how many tracks there were that they were working on, but it was more than one. So I'd want to hear those. <laughs> it's also my I've, I've wanted this for years, and I suspect with the way that they're doing things, it probably never happened. Um, there's certainly been enough stuff recorded, but uh, because they're releasing, or they appear to be doing sort of live releases as part of the um, album sets. But I remember reading um, an interview with Alan Leeds, and he was quite, it was asked like, so, you know, so I, th- I believe Al- Alan Leeds, I think was the tour manager, somebody correct me, from 83 to 92. Um, so for me, that was when all the, again, purely my opinion, all the best shows probably took place uh, by and large over that time but he was saying you know there, there was so much stuff recorded and the thought of somebody actually releasing like a multi-disc live anthology yeah. sort of across that time period it'd be huge and wieldy and expensive but 
my God, as a piece of work from a performer, if you think of, again, the eclecticism, consistent innovation across that time, different bands, oh, it, you, it would be stellar and it'd never be touched and it couldn't be touched. It'd I think, be yeah, I think, like, just think for one show, like, if you're just picking one song from each track, that live version of Thieves in the Temple from Diamonds and Pearls tour, where it's, yeah. like, Egyptian, mm. for somebody else... That would be the pinnacle of their life career. For him, it is merely a footnote that hardcores know about. I'm really happy that the uh, the long form "Beautiful Night" with Miles Davis is getting the video release that it deserves. You know, like from the master tape. Yeah, I'm so happy that that's the DVD that's coming out. We haven't even talked about that. Isn't that crazy? But it, <laughs> yeah, the it's last actually bit I'm most excited about. <laughs> it's a great. I mean, it's a it's an amazing thing. The last twenty minutes of that, where he just to me that is like a tour of Black American music uh, from jazz to the present day. You know, when he throws in a, a thousand riffs from a thousand songs, they play um, Mother Popcorn by James Brown. They play Chain of Fools by Aretha. They play, they chuck in the horn line from A Train. And then, of course, you've got Miles, which is, I will say about that concert, when Miles is on stage with Prince, that is the only time in Prince's entire career that I've ever seen him look nervous, apart from maybe that James Brown, that weird video of him at James Brown. Prince actually, like, Miles comes on and Miles goes, like, I love you, but. I'm kind of gonna. You're my you're my sub right now. And yeah. He, and he, I, I've never seen Prince at all in anyone in, in awe of anyone like that before. And it's interesting that what's circulating so far, because you know a large part of this concert is already circulating in pretty good quality and sound. I mean, from the say the drum solo up to the end and there's a little clip of sign of the times that was used in the omnibus special but there's some interesting tracks for a sign of the Times set list on this i mean the let's pretend we're married is on it again these these are all the ones that he was yeah. rehearsing those arrangements you can hear them on the soundboards from the um uh from the tour rehearsals yeah you've got let's pretend we're married delirious jack you off and then there's another like slow love do me baby in it um a door the absolute brilliant like uh running some of the sort of uh brass flurries to go from one song to the other with the ballads it's just phenomenal like say erotic city whoa mm. absolutely with erotic city with uh drum machine usage as opposed to um acoustic versions as well like that that's just lovely in and of itself because i think I think the only other time we heard it was the birthday show, was it? In terms of a, a gig and a concert? Uh, I can think of, in, yeah. We're not including like sampler sets. Or, yeah, or rehearsals or something. You yeah. know, rehearsal tapes or something. Right, so the, yeah. It, Sorry. I think, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, later on it's in, it's kind of, it's in the Love Sexy tour introduction in a kind of medleyed form. But I don't think, it's never expansive like it's not the whole song. Yeah, yeah. It was very stripped down. I think on Love Sex, yeah. it sounded a lot more of a sort of acoustic version. Although yeah. obviously the drum loop or part it, of it was. There. Yeah, 
it's insane how many horn lines were added to the live shows around that time that, that like brilliant just like you say paddy just for segues or to end songs like there was a on the sign tour he puts in this amazing horn line at the end of girls and boys to finish it off yeah and, and yeah. like you, you're just like that, that never got onto a song that's brilliant and like just horn lines that other people would give their you know right arm to just have on a on a recorded song to just to be the biggest hit of their career he just throws them off as flourishes to make a live a, a, a live experience flow yeah no mind blown he's the king of the segue uh, some of the some of the stuff he did for key changes was absurd as well Sorry. particularly when you're trying to learn them <laughs> it's bonkers <laughs> absolutely bonkers. I love that they've done this show also because it's kind of like a halfway house between, you know, the Sign of the Times tour kind of organically changing through rehearsal process and stuff into the Love Sexy era. You can see his, like his hair's grown out into the kind of Love Sexy hair. And it's like, it's that weird thing of, you know, we think of Prince in these really solid, like visual eras. I, I don't know if... Not so much sonically, but if anybody, like, I see you nodding, Leah, because I know you're another visual costume fan like myself. Yeah. Uh, it's like, they go through these really, like, these really kind of stark visual eras, but there's these weird pictures that come, that are photo sessions that are in, in, bet in between phases, like the 1991 that's half graffiti bridge, half diamonds and pearls beard. You know, like, then you've got, like, this era where you've got, like, love sexy band still on the peach and black but with love sexy hair and it's just really interesting it's the perfect show in a in a box of process you know it shows coming up to love sex it not only tells you what you know going up to sign of the times but the change afterwards it really covers the whole period like the the you know like the outtakes take you from you know developing into this stunning album into the tour and then the dvd takes you you know opens the door a little to the next step and it's i think it's a fantastically well-rounded box set for that agree strongly <laughs> yeah well said very much so um i'd say we've got about five more minutes left and because that's two hours and this is long <laughs> So that oh, was the end of Sign of the Times part one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so the second song on the album, playing... <laughs> um, we didn't so even go into Big Tall Wall. <laughs> God, we, we haven't even spoken about Shockadelica yet. I mean, for heaven's sake. To be fair, we haven't really spoken about the actual release yet. <laughs> we tried. Right. Well, thank you all for giving your time, this expansive time, talking about what is a fantastic album and what I'm sure is going to be a fantastic box set. Looking forward to it. And love seeing everybody else's just as excited as I am about it. And some of you a bit more. <laughs> <laughs>